Thank you for downloading this special podcast recorded in tribute to the late Murray Walker, who sadly died yesterday, aged 97. I'm Martin Blunt. In a moment, I'll play an interview I had the pleasure to conduct with Murray in the early days of Goose Live Events' involvement with the Silverstone Classic. But first, my colleague from Goose, our CEO, Nick Wigley, joins me. Nick, it's a, a sad weekend. It certainly is a, a very sad weekend indeed. Murray Walker was, well, he had a genuine love for the sport. He was extremely knowledgeable. He was a consummate professional. He worked really hard on all his preparation for everything. His voice, it was just so engaging. I think I would say that he managed to make an exciting sport even more exciting. Well, here in the interview that Murray was a great fan of, uh, of the classic, have you a, a memory to share? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I remember when Damon Hill crossed the line to win the World Championship in 96 and Murray cracked up. Uh, I think the phrase he used was, um, I've got a lump in my throat. So uh, he was just genuinely in love with the sport. And yes, he was genuinely in love with the classic too. He came along on several occasions. He participated in interviews. Uh, he even did a commentary on the start of some of our Grand Prix races. And most recently, just a few years ago, came along to support one of our media days. He, he was a one-off. I will, and I'm sure everybody will sorely miss him. Well, let's listen back to uh, a recording, one of those interviews you mentioned he did for the Classic over a decade ago. I started by remarking on the Silverstone Classic cap he'd worn the previous week on a TV interview and asked why the event was so special to him. It's something very special because I've got a very long association with Silverstone. I first went there for the first post-war Grand Prix in uh, 1948. And then my first ever BBC commentary was the, was the Grand Prix at Silverstone in 49. I've been there every year since, and uh, the Silverstone Classic brings back some fantastic memories for me. It must be like going home. Yeah, well, it is in a way, because I've, I've spent an enormous part of my life at Silverstone because I haven't been there just for Formula One. I've been there for truck racing, kart racing, motorcycle racing, British touring cars, you name it. If it's had me wheels and it's been at Silverstone, I've been there and talking about it. And <laughs> I love the circuit. It's a great circuit. You're the ambassador for Silverstone Classic. So tell me what's involved in that role. Well, it's, it's, it's basically trying to help out as much as I possibly can. Uh, being there for the event, I went, for the, went there for the media day and try to get the press uh, involved and interested. It wasn't too hard because they were extremely interested. And I took some of them around in a double-decker bus wearing a bus conductor's uniform and with a ticket-clipping machine attached to the front of me and uh, gave a commentary with Jackie Oliver while we went around the circuit. That was good fun. And my ambassador role really is just to create the maximum awareness about what a great event it is. The thought of you commentating on a, on a bus, you must have been asked over the years to commentate on all sorts of things. I know professionally, obviously, on the motor racing, but many people must have said, oh, Murray, could you just do a little spoof for us on, on different things over the years? Yes, they have, and it's, it's very difficult because people think that because they've heard you on the radio and heard you on television that all you do with commentary is just walk into the, into the box and pick up the microphone and start talking. Well, you do do that, but... You do it against the background of having done an enormous amount of research so that hopefully you know what you're talking about or at least appear to know what you're talking about. 
Did you, for the Grand Prix, when you were commentating every week, did you do a lot of homework, a lot of notes, or did it just get to the point that you were so immersed in oh, it anyway? No, I did a gigantic amount of note-making. Uh, ob- obviously, I was reading all the magazines when they came out and listening to anything I could and, t- and uh, constantly in touch with all the Formula One people between the races and doing interviews and things. But uh, I then did an enormous amount of research and note-taking, and I had a map of the circuit in front of me indicating what the engine revs were at the various points and what the gear gear changes they made. And I also had a sort of shorthand potted history of most of the drivers, because although I'd got it in my head, you know as well as I do that sometimes you just get blank moments where you're looking at somebody and you know exactly who he is, but you can't actually think of his name, which sounds ridiculous, but it happens. My first, my first professional broadcast, somebody said to me, just write your name down in case you forget it. And it was probably good advice, actually. Yes, I did, I did the Celebrity Mastermind on television once, and it's an event that fills you full of awe. And, and uh, when John Humphreys asked me what my specialised subject was, I, I couldn't remember. <laughs> and it was Formula One. <laughs> Talking of Formula One, we've got some great racing over the uh, over the Silverstone Classic weekend. Of course, every race must bring back a memory. There can't be a car or, a, or or an individual race that you don't look at and think, "Well, I remember when." Yeah, that's right, because they've got the historic Grand Prix cars there, and as you rightly say, it makes me realise my age because all the cars that are competing, I have commentated on the drivers who were sitting in the cockpits of those cars. And, of course, they're not there anymore because they're new owners. But the wonderful thing about it is that all those cars invariably are in absolutely immaculate condition in the same liveries that they carried when I was talking about them years ago. You must wander up to some of the new owners and the new drivers and know more about the cars than they do. Well, I wouldn't, wouldn't say that. One of my, one of my problems, because I did, I did a bit of commentary with Toby Moody last year, and harking back to what I've just said, was that I remember the cars were blasting around in front of me, and I remembered them extremely well, and I remember that Nelson Piquet was driving that one, or Nigel Mansell was driving that one, or Alain Prost was driving that one. Um, but now it was somebody entirely new, and whilst I knew about the car and I knew about the circuit, it uh, needs an enormous amount of research to get round all the drivers, because... Uh, at the Classic this year, there's going to be some 22 races over the three days, and there are going to be 900 drivers and about 700 cars, and it's just physically impossible to master all of them. What What is your favourite race or era that will be on display over the weekend? Do you have a sort of a sort of special place in your heart yes, for any particular? I do. Uh, for, for me, with cars, it is uh, the 80s. Um, because you had some really iconic cars at that period, and even more so you had iconic drivers, because Nigel Mansell, Nelson Piquet, Alain Prost, Ayrton Senna, all of them world champions, and three of them multiple world champions, were racing against each other in that era in some fantastic cars at some wonderful locations, and it certainly does bring back an absolute flood of memories when I see the cars on the circuit now. I, I bet it does. Well, we'll be looking out for those 80s cars with you. Uh, yeah, and, and, and if weekend. I can interrupt you, it, mm. it's, uh, it's not just the, the, the Formula One cars as far as I'm concerned, because 
the World Sports Car Masters event it brings back a lot of memories for me too. The cars of the Mi Emilia and Targa Florio era, uh, Ferraris and Porsches and and so on. They're they're just as evocative in many ways as the Formula One cars are. You were at Silverstone for the Classic last year. You'll be there this year. What do you do during the day? Are people trying to get you away to do things like this, interviews and and autographs, or or are you trying to sneak back and watch a bit of the racing? Well, I like to watch the racing. Uh, I'm I'm lucky enough, of course, to, to, to have the vital paddock pass and I can get into all the garages and talk to the drivers. It's very interesting to talk to the drivers, today's drivers, of yesterday's cars and to find out how they got the cars, did they have to restore them, uh, how do they look after them, uh, how much experience have they got, how do they expect to do in the event, uh, and to be able to do it in a completely relaxed state of mind. But I will also be doing a bit of book signing because I've got my new scrapbook out, and uh, I'm going to be uh, doing some signing of that. And what with one thing and another, I don't expect to have much spare time on my hands. And I hope I haven't because... I very much enjoy, too, something that could, didn't happen to me in my Formula One commentary days, and that's being able to talk to the, to the people, the, the people whose money enables the drivers in Formula One to do what they do so well and earn so much money doing it. The people that were outside the circuit looking at the cars at the Grand Prix last weekend, because they're the salt of the earth and... They're real enthusiasts, they're very nice people, and they've paid a lot of money to get there. They're always very keen to see you as well. When did you realise that the, the fans wanted to see you as well as the drivers? Um, I don't know when I realised it, and, it, and it's very flattering. The reason, of course, is that I've been lucky enough to be the voice that's talking to them about their passion in their homes and if they don't like you and they don't like what you're saying, it's very easy for them to turn you off, literally, electronically. So I regard it as a great privilege to be able to talk to them and to have them want to talk to me. It's fascinating to read your scrapbook. You say you've published it now. It's items from the, the entire period of your career? Well, there's a chap called Philip Porter who specialises in doing these things. And uh, I know I'm biased, but I think they're fabulous publications. He's done three for Sterling Moss. He's done one for Graham Hill. He's done one for me. And what happens is that we, we sit down and talk to each other for hours and hours and hours. And I got out all my memorabilia and scrapbooks and press cuttings, and I've got a lot of them. And then he puts the whole lot together in the form of a coffee table, a very high-quality production scrapbook. With, uh, and he inter- interviewed 80 people about me. Uh, and so there's snippets from their interviews. And uh, if you're interested in really good quality publications, as I am, because my hobby is collecting motor racing books, uh, it, it's uh, it's something that I like very much. I know from reading and hearing interviews with you uh, in the past that uh, it's not only motor cars, but motorcycles. I think your father was very involved with motorcycles as well. And we've got Harley Davidson, all the uh, all the Harley Davidson fans yeah. coming this year as well. So I, I guess there'll be a few bikes around. Well, I sincerely hope so. I've never made any secret of the fact that bikes are my first love. I've just come back from the TT in the Isle of Man, which was absolutely fantastic. Valentino Rossi was there for the first time, and he was absolutely blown away by it. Uh, and uh, I'm sure there'll be bikes at the 
classic, and I'm looking forward to seeing them because they're, they are a great spectacle. And the, motor, the, the, the chaps who ride the bikes are absolute heroes of mine because uh, although uh, the car blokes are very, very tough and very, very skilled, uh, the bike blokes are something else for me because they're stuck out in the open. If there's a problem with a crash or anything, they're going to be in real trouble, and it calls for real courage to do what they do. I was going to ask you about all this fabulous travel that you did in your career, and of course now you're not commentating on every race, but it, you just indicated you were over at the TT. You don't seem to have stopped the travelling. It's it's carrying no, on. I'm still doing a lot of travelling because I talk on cruise ships, which is very nice, and uh, <clears throat> I go to Australia every year to do some events there, and I love Australia. Uh, so that's wonderful for me. And yes, I go to the Grand Prix, do after-dinner speeches and corporate events. So yeah, life is still pretty busy. You've used many words in your uh, in your career, but the word retirement has never uh, you don't you don't know what it means, do well, you? Well, when 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 I'm with my wife and someone says, uh, "How are you enjoying your retirement?" She always indignantly says, "What retirement?" Because <laughs> uh, I, I hope not to have to retire because. My idea of purgatory is sitting on my backside doing nothing. Murray, we're going to have to leave it there, but it's been great. Top tip, one thing to watch. What's what's the one race, the one thing to do if you're coming to the Silverstone Classic? The, oh, the, the one uh, thing not to miss. The historic Formula One cars, as far as I'm concerned, number one. All right, that's Murray's top tip then. Murray Walker, the Silverstone Classic ambassador, thank you very much. Thanks, it's a real pleasure to be with you. And it was a real honour to talk with Murray. He visited the Classic many times since that interview, and I and all my colleagues at Goose Live Events and all involved in the Silverstone Classic will miss him. I'm Martin Blunt. Thank you for listening. <laughs>